your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. Uh-oh, you know what I forgot to do, Chagoski? Where's the music? I forgot. It's going to take me a minute. <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Rush Limbaugh theme? No, not, <laughs> not that, that one. Not that one. <laughs> Here we go. It's just not right unless we get... No. There. There we go. Welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. This is the cowboy theme song music voice, or uh, radio voice. Yeah. That's what you got to do. 608-785-7914. UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski, and me here with Happy me. Friday, Rick. Happy News Dump Friday. It is a News Dump it's Friday. It's a News Dump Friday. These, these are going to grow exponentially, don't you think? There could be more closer, during the show. As we get closer to November and the election. Um, we already have somebody calling in. Great. We haven't even started. Number three's already. Oh, yep. Number three's Number three, we don't. What do we got? Friday Night Fish Fry? Hello. Friday Night Fish Fry? How are you two dudes doing tonight? <laughs> He's you dodging not, the question. You, how can you? Are you dodging the <laughs> question, Mister? I didn't hear the question yet. Oh, I said, the, are we doing Friday night fish fry? You bet. I just wanted to check in with you guys before me and the wife left. Does your wife have a smartphone? You guys could turn the Wisdom on right there at the the table. Wisdom app. <laughs> What's an app? <laughs> That's why I asked if the wife has a smartphone. No, she. She's got a smart husband. Oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) Oh, you ever study for your urine test? Uh, I don't know how to answer that. No, I'm dodging the question. Anyway, I appreciated hearing your father and then your mother speak. Oh, did you get to hear? I didn't know if you got to hear my mom last week. I heard your mother, you bet. Nice right. lady. She put up with a lot, I could tell that. I thought about but, having Tregoski's parents on, but I only thought about it on the way here, and I, he'll have to take the initiative to have his parents on. Uh, my I, dad is coming tomorrow for the first UWL football game. But we'll just leave it an open invitation. So open you, invitation. Going forward, just think about, like, oh, well, yeah. For oh. next week, I was wondering if you could have your girlfriend on so we could hear the real story about Rick. Absolutely not. Oh, you're not ashamed of her, are you? No. Well, then have her on. But it's the real story of Rick, so we're not getting it. We're not going to get that. You won't do that for me, huh? Absolutely not. Okay, well, maybe people will call in and ask to hear from her tonight. All right, you going tartar sauce on your fish or what? Well, if you got good fish... You don't need tartar sauce. It's like if you got a good steak, you don't need A1 sauce on it. Amen to that. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, my first rodeo, boys. All right. We'll see you. <laughs> Hang in there and you keep the good ship lollipop going. All right. All right. Sounds good. That was a new one. The good ship lollipop. I like a- that. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Goods. Maybe. Or is that uh, Wizard of Oz? Uh, I know. I'm going to have to Google it. Someone tell us. All right. So I have I have my I have my list of stories. Sure. Something about um, after living in total isolation for the past 26 years, the only remaining member of an uncontacted indigenous tribe has died. Ah. So he's just like one guy. He's never been. He's never had outside contact with the world, and he died. Yeah. And I think he was like twenty 
six or seven or something. So it's always like, how did you, how do you guys know all this information about him? Yeah. Without, like, how did you know how old he was? <laughs> There's some real like ethical issues that I'm getting into my nerdy academic side. Some real ethical issues about studying these uncontacted tribes. Like, should you contact them <laughs> or should you just leave them alone? Because uh, acad- scholars love to study people who just live in isolation. Yeah, who don't have cell phones. Yeah. Like number three. Like number three. <laughs> another another story. I have a, a future, a furtive, furtive monster fish caught national attention in China last week as millions of people tuned in to the multi-day effort to kept, capture it. So the, the you know, the, the giant fish story. I think uh, there's multiple grumpy old men movies. Have you seen the grumpy mm-hmm. old men movies? I think at least one of them, if not both of them, is about the fish that got away or whatever. I, the, I can't remember the name of the fish. 608-785-7914. Just text me the name of the fish in Grumpy Old Men. Everybody's going to know that one. Um, so in China, We just need people to text in with help for our movie references. Yeah, what was the much? other one we just needed help? Oh, The, <laughs> the Good, good Ship, Ship Lollipop. Lollipop. Yeah. What's that from? What movie? That's from a movie. It's a Good Ship Lolly. It's a song. I know it. Um, so anyway, in China, they, they the, the old fish that got away story, they found it. So they they couldn't find it. So they drained the lake. Oh, jeez. And you know what? They didn't find it. Unbelievable that the fish that they got... Ah, that's the fish that got away. Couldn't find it. Drained the whole lake. They have lake. a drained lake and no fish. They drained the whole lake. In China, man, they just go like, you know what? We're going We're going the they next step. They don't mess step. around they with this the stuff. Next step. Yeah. Well, COVID's happening. We're building, a whole, we're building a hospital in four days. And COVID's happening. Nobody gets to go anywhere or do anything. And we're, I think they're still doing that. Still over there. doing stuff Someone like that. Someone get a case of COVID and they just they lock it down. Like it's I don't know. It's, well, they have that zero COVID policy where they just want to eliminate it entirely. Right. Where here in America, we have just decided to live with it. That it will be we a have seasonal a zero thing. Elimination policy. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have did. refused to take the steps to eliminate COVID. Well, Governor Evers was at Northside Elementary a couple days ago, and in the you know if you wanted to attend as a member of the media list, it was take the proper covid precautions and one of those was to wear a mask i think or i think it might not have said to wear a mask but it was take the covid precautions i think and i was and but nobody had a mask on so i was like okay well that must not be one of the precautions i was like so i brought a mask just in case it mm-hmm. needed but it, we were all outside anyway so it wasn't that big of a deal rick a little plug for wisconsin residents you can go to say yes covid home and get five free rapid at home covid 19 test kits i mean basically my wife and i have stopped doing any precautions aside from just testing ourselves if we have uh, cold symptoms or whatever. But it's sayyescovidhometest.org. You get five free rapid at-home COVID home tests, Wisconsin residents. It's the worst URL ever. I know. It's terrible. Like, what just does do say yes mean? Wisconsin COVID test. Yeah, I don't know what the say yes thing is all about. Yeah, I don't know either. Something about a lollipop. Yeah, all right, probably. we, we got to <laughs> take a break. It's a terrible Friday song. I jumped the gun. We, we want to be happy on Friday. This is this Friday news dump. It's got to be a sad song. <laughs> it's a sad song. I had the song. There's too, many, too much news on this Friday. So you know how you're just you're driving around and then you hear a song that you haven't heard in a while and you're yeah. like, oh, I love this song and I want it in my like repertoire, right? However you listen to songs. Well, that happened to me over the weekend or over the week, over the week and I just didn't. I didn't. You got to jot it down. You got to put it somewhere. And uh, 
Yeah, now I'm looking because I just did 90 songs on Google here, but we can't, I can't find it. So, and then we get this. This is like the worst. Just go back. We'll go back to Old Faithful. There we go. There we go. All right. It's a Friday news dump Friday. News dump Friday. There we go. It's a news dump Friday. Lots of news. I feel like these are going to grow exponentially as, as we creep towards November 9th. Or eighth. Oh November yeah, November ninth. As we get towards that election day, we're gonna see lots. Uh, November eighth. We're gonna see the news that the campaigns want to hide from you come out around the time that Rick and I are here on Friday afternoon. Yeah, we're we're breaking news on Friday that you you just you won't want to. You're just not gonna. I don't know what what is the strategy. Behind it's a good gig for us to be on the air at the exact time that people think people are not paying attention because to we've, the news. We've thrown out a Derek Van Orden. Um, what is what do you what do you even want to call it? Investigation yeah. into I don't know if thrown out was the right term there. No, it, it it is Rick. So one of the Friday news dumps that came out this afternoon. I'm reading from a story from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. The Federal Election Commission dismissed a complaint that alleged GOP congressional candidate Derek Van Orden unlawfully used campaign funds to pay for a trip to Washington, D.C., where he attended the rally that preceded the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Basically, the conclusion from the Federal Election Commission was that Derek Van Orden just didn't use all that much money in order to go to D.C., Around the time of January 6th, we know that Derek Van Orden. Flights were cheap. Yeah, I guess nobody's must, flying. <laughs> must have gotten a deal on a flight, right? <laughs> so Derek Van Orden's campaign spent just over four thousand dollars on travel expenses for Van Orden and at least two other people assumed to be former campaign staff to travel to Washington in early January 2021. The assumption is that he was preparing for his political future. You and I talked about this right after the 2020 election where he came so close to defeating Ron Kind. We knew right then and there that Derek Van Orden was going to make a run for this again, that he was going to make another bid for office in 2022. So the the in, in question is whether or not he used campaign funds improperly improperly but aren't isn't this america where we are always campaigning can i always just say i'm campaigning because he was the not he is the nominee the next round so he could just say yeah i've started campaigning i went to dc this is the beginning of my next campaign i just lost that's essentially the conclusion from the federal election commission so the wisconsin democratic party basically said what the heck is he doing? He's using money to go to D.C. in part so he can be at the Capitol on January 6th. And it's money well spent because he gets more attention for this than anything else. I think. Absolutely. Oh, no, he's at the, he's at the Capitol grounds uh, at the beginning, according to him, at the maybe at the beginning of the whatever you want to call it, riot mob. Sure, sure. Protest, tiki torches. Yeah. So uh, it is worth noting that Derek Van Orden wrote in an op-ed for the Lacrosse Tribune that he traveled for Washington, traveled to Washington for meetings and to stand for the integrity of our electoral system as a citizen. He said that what should have been an expression of free speech devolved into one of the most tragic incidents in the history of our nation. The Democrats. That was an op-ed. 
that that's what he said in an op-ed in the lacrosse tribune did he put a, that op-ed in the in, in the fox news tribune because <laughs> right. that's all politics right like we'll put absolutely that down the middle rick in the I, boy you want to talk about how politicians talk differently to different audiences it is absolutely the case that you say maybe one thing, and this goes for all politicians, not just mash- Derek Van Orden. Did you see the mashup of Tim Michaels before and after the primary? Yeah. What was okay before the primary? His his uh, election integrity was his number one issue, and he, and he said it everywhere. Election he said integrity, it everywhere. Election, kind of like awkwardly, like really, this is your number one. That was the primary. He's going against other Republicans. He's going against Rebecca Clayfish. Now, have we, is it Clayfish or Cleefish? Clayfish. It is Clayfish, because every once in a while I hear Cleefish, and I'm like, where yep. are we getting this? Yep. Um, and and that's that's the primary. Correct. And then as soon as he wins the primary over Clayfish, that whole tune changes to a down-the-middle stance to try to pull in independent and maybe even Democratic voters. On the day he won, in fact, the night he won the primary election, he completely changes his tune and says that his number one issue is jobs and the economy, where five days earlier, he said that his number one issue was election integrity. Right. It's a fantastic example of how politicians talk differently in different contexts, where in the election integrity version of Tim Michaels' campaign, he was at a Trump rally running for the Republican nomination in the, oh, wait. Jobs in the economy is now my number one issue version. Oh, I got to win a statewide race. I got to win a statewide race where there are lots of swing voters. I will say, as Tim Michaels' representative, I'll say I election integrity was my number one thing. And then we went through an election, and I won that election. And therefore, there was integrity it was, it was to very integrated. Integrity. So he proved that the election had had integrity. So he moved on to the next issue. Probably his number two issue, election integrity. Throw that out the window because if election <laughs> integrity is your number one issue, then you actually maybe didn't get elected in the primary. Maybe Rebecca Clayfish should call voter fraud. Uh, well, well, Tim Ramfin, who has denied the 2020 election and was a candidate for the Republican nomination for governor, uh, has not accepted the results of the Republican gubernatorial. I hate that word. The Campaign for governor on the governor Republican race. side. I, yep, you could. It's a headline. I was in news. A GOP governor candidate. I yes. do not write gubernatorial. Let's ban that word. Even though we all think uh, all politicians are goobers. Yes. All right. <laughs> um, let's see if if I can remember this because Eric, Eric the deplorable from Sparta is on. <laughs> is that right, Eric? Did I get it? Hello. Yeah, Eric the deplorable. You're on. Yeah, I uh, I want to ask Mr. Gosky a question if I could. You're on. Uh, Mr. Chagassi, can you define the definition of wokeness? Okay. <laughs> I, I'm thinking probably in, in the political arena, not just, you know, like you just woke up. <laughs> or maybe you need to go to bed and you're... Well, you're, I have a four-month-old, so I'm rarely I woke. Know, I I'm know. rarely woke. <laughs> yeah. Is there a... I mean, you'll have to go to... What is it when you when you want to look up just weird words like that? Uh, Urban Dictionary, right? That's where you would find wokeness. Uh, look, this is a great example of what we're just talking about. Like, woke means something completely different depending on what TV station you're on, what radio station you're on, which audience you're talking to, which party you're if talking to. If we take to. the word at, at its roots, though, do you want to be awake... Or asleep, <laughs> like which one do you want to be? Like if you want to be, if if you're being represent, if you're being a representative of of 
uh, on top of the issues, would do you want to be woke on these issues or asleep on the issues? I mean, it's it's kind of funny that this word. That, I mean, we it was used in a podcast this week that's on our website, and I just had to roll my eyes a little bit. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know what woke means. I can't give a solid definition because the meaning changes radically depending on the context. Right. All right. Thanks for the question, though, Eric. Appreciate it. We we stumped him. Is kind of what we did. Um, also on my list, Ozzy Osbourne explains why he's leaving America because, oh, no. because everything is bleeping ridiculous there. <laughs> uh, he, him and his wife, uh, if they're, I'm, I guess they're still. Remember the? Did, were you? Are you old enough to remember that there was a reality TV show with oh, Ozzy yeah. and Sharon oh, yeah. Osbourne? It's a very funny show. Um, but yeah, I think he's fed up with all the shootings. Is kind of where he's at, Ozzy Osbourne. Okay. So where are we at in America when Ozzy Osbourne, who is from? Over there, right? Like from when here. Ozzy Osbourne thinks things have gotten too crazy, right? Ozzy Osbourne, who I believe is best known, and Eric from Sparta probably knows this. I believe he's best known. For, you know, one of the things he's known for is like biting the head of a chicken <laughs> off during a concert. Like he literally, like I'm pretty sure that was Ozzy Osbourne, and doing so many drugs that it would basically kill anyone aside from him. Yeah, aside from him and probably some guys in the Rolling Stones. That's right. I think some of those guys just be they build up Keith immunity. Richards and Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, they build up immunity. Yeah. Um a uh, little trivia that we had earlier in the show. Um it's a good ship lollipop number 3 uh signed off he instead of keep your powder dry, he signed off good ship lollipop somehow. That's from Shirley Temple. Okay. Shirley Temple's a movie or a character in a movie. I think it's a movie, but uh, it's it's that's not my heyday. I don't I don't even recall. I, th- I see. I'm just Mary Poppins and Shirley Temple are like the same thing in my head. I have no idea what Shirley. Temple. Well, shout out think- to Bruce the Money Man from Firefighters Credit Union <laughs> for, for helping us out with that. <laughs> and and Shirley Temple, I believe, was a little is a little kid. I think it's about a little kid. But I didn't Google it. And we have this thing in our in our hands here. We could type and, yeah. and do that, but it's not as fun. If we do like 1990s radio as we're listening to the 1990s <laughs> song, we would need you texters to call in and then tell us Shirley Temple because we don't have text either. Yeah. Um, and the other trivia question, the uh, the fish that got away because I, I told the story that in China they, they have this mythical fish that they wanted to catch bigger than any fish ever um, and they couldn't find it so they drained the lake to get it and, it, and then of course it didn't didn't appear. Uh, the grumpier and grumpy old men fish is called catfish hunter. So those are those are our two trivia questions. Uh, we should give away like twenty five dollar gift card from the Lacrosse Beer House. Absolutely. Uh, I need a sponsor. Who wants to sponsor a twenty five dollar gift card? All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back with UW Lacrosse political science professor, PhD, Doctor Anthony Trigowski. Going through the list of like top 90s songs. Notorious <laughs> yeah. B.I.G. and Puff Daddy when he was. And Mace. Mace was kind this of. This is thing. ranked by the Rolling Stone as the third best song of the 90s. Yeah, number three. That's impressive. If anyone wants to know, Black Street, No Diggity was number two. Yeah. And Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, number one. Oh, yeah, that's got to be number one. And number eight, and we played this song just in the break Pulp. Song called Common People, a song neither of us has ever heard before. No. But that's weird when you are no top ten in the all of the nineties <laughs> and two guys that grew up in the nineties yeah, don't know what right. the song is. Six oh eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text line. We were talking about um we were talking about campaign cash and and if we're always running for office, then you can always use your campaign money 
even though you're not you hadn't designated. The only time you might get in trouble with that is if you didn't get the signatures. I think like uh like Brett Knudsen was running for the third congressional district and he was the first to announce. I believe even before Ronkine retired, Brett Knudsen announced he was running for uh, uh Ronkine's seat or running against Ronkine. And you know, let's just say Brett Knudsen was using campaign cash at that point and then didn't get the signatures then therefore he never officially would have been running and maybe he can get in trouble in that way. I don't know. So, Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about this because Derek Van Orden, the Republican nominee for the third congressional district here in Western Wisconsin. Yeah. There was a complaint filed against him for how he spent about four grand of his campaign funds on travel expenses in part to go to Washington, D.C., Ended up at the Capitol on January 6, 2021, but did other things while he was there. And the Republican members of the Federal Election Commission basically said that he was there so he could attend meetings regarding his potential future candidacy. Right. Which gets to your point, Rick. If the campaign never stops ever, ever, ever in the United States, if the campaign is constant, then can you just constantly use campaign money on whatever? And that seemed to be the argument that the Republican members of the Federal Election Commission accepted. Donald Trump hasn't stopped running for president since 2015, right? No. And if he doesn't go on the ballot in 2024... But he has a lot of campaign money. Oh, the money poured in after the Mar-a-Lago search for him. Is he using the campaign money right now as not an official candidate? I don't know. So it's just just kind of funny, something to think about, because you're always campaigning until you're not on the ballot. Yeah. Uh, Bob's calling in. Bob, go ahead. You're on with UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski. Yeah, hi. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, um, I hope you'll be fair to me, Rick, and let me talk a little bit about the you're literally, last, you're literally last talking. Joe, Joe Biden. You're literally talking. Okay, yeah. Um, what he said, unbelievable. I mean, what he, um, just, that, what he said was what a dictator would say, what a leader of a communist party would say. Um, it is now clear that we don't have a president. We do have a dictator of our country. Um, he just, what he did, he just took a, like a big scissors and he completely divided the country between who supports him and who opposes him. It really doesn't have anything to do with Donald Trump. And Bob, would you say that Donald Trump was a unifying figure? We're not talking about Donald. Well, let's talk about Joe Biden here. Okay. Please, let's talk about We know that Joe Biden, he came into office, he said he was going to unify the country. And he's completely now, after last night, and he used it on prime time on top of it, to completely divide the country. Um, when you do that, and he did it, he thought it was going to help him politically to, to divide the country. Like, wait, let's hope it, it doesn't. But when you do that, you know, that's beyond politics. He crossed the line. And when you do that, I mean, that's evil. Joe Biden has become evil. He has become a very disgusting deranged, delusional person who doesn't belong to be in the White House. All right. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Bob. Oh, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't tell me, though, if he thought that Donald Trump was a unifying figure. We're not talking about Donald Trump, even oh, though okay. even if Donald Trump literally said in front of a whole bunch of people at a campaign rally that was on all the channels, 
They are vicious, horrible people. They are horrible people. I know. The Democrats. I, I, I know. It, it, it's look, double standard. Look. But Bob, Bob does have a point. Joe Biden ran for office saying he was going to unify the country. There is fair criticism to be made of Joe Biden. I don't know why I'm pointing at you. Just- <laughs> There's fair criticism to be made of Joe Biden's speech last night. I thought it was a bit of a strange speech because he gave sort of this speech on democracy and the mega Republicans and how they are a threat to democracy and how the Republicans are still controlled by Donald Trump, which is really unusual because normally after a president leaves office, then that president takes a step back and Donald Trump has done exactly the opposite. We just haven't really seen anything like this in a very long time where a former president remains the dominant figure in their party. That being said, is he is he how long will he be remaining the the dominant figure? Because we have this FBI thing going on and we start we're starting to see people kind of like there's a story on the AP. I think you said it to me as well. It's on the wisdom website. The the attorney general that's running as a Republican in Wisconsin is, has kind of distanced himself or, or slowly kind of, he's trying to play the middle, right? Sure. Uh, uh, Eric Tony. Yes. Has, but he, has he always tried to play the middle? He voted yeah. for Trump in 2020, I believe. Um, but maybe, I mean, at, at some point, like, uh, who were we just talking about that, that you want to, you wants the, Oh, Tim Michaels, you're going to, you, when you run as a Republican against a Republican, you, you tout all the Republican lines to get the win. And then once you enter a race against a Democrat and it's a statewide race and you need to get as many votes as you can from anybody that may may be on the fence about who to vote for, you start towing the line down the middle a little bit. Eric Toney seems to be at least now he's way going to the middle. Yeah. Eric Toney. And he was in a unique situation in his primary election, Rick. Oh, this is the article you're quoted in. The AP literally asked you these questions. Was it, was it Todd or it was Todd from the AP that called me to, for comment on this. And, and and so here's the deal. Like Eric Toney is a district attorney. He's running against Democrat attorney general, Josh call. And Eric Tony is an interesting Republican because he voted for Trump in 2020, even though he privately referred to Trump as dumb, dumb Donald. So it's interesting, again, what politicians, some politicians say in private versus what they say in public right. uh, in a private text message. I mean, we've seen <laughs> we've seen all. I mean, every like Ted Cruz is, yeah. is that the Lindsey Graham. They're all. Oh, and then he gets the nomination, Trump, right? And then they all flip tunes because, of course, you got to get get in line behind your leader. Got to get in line. Uh, now, this is an interesting situation, though, because he's not really getting in line. Eric Tony, the Wisconsin Republican Attorney General candidate, is not committing to voting for Donald Trump in 2024 if Trump runs again. And we know that Tim Michaels is on the record, the candidate for governor on the Republican side. He is on the record saying that he will strongly support Donald Trump if Trump runs again in 2024. And my comment on this to the Associated Press was that this is really unusual because the Republican Party has really big time rallied around Donald Trump ever since the Mar-a-Lago search. Okay, but do you think Republicans aren't going to vote for the Republican against the Democrat in an attorney general race because he won't say whether or not he's going to support Donald Trump? Oh, no, Republicans will still vote for Eric right, so Tony. It's not that big of a I feel, I feel like that's a smart move by Tony. You're saying it's it's troublesome in the Republican Party, but I think it's. At this point, because he's not taking a stance against Donald Trump. You know, Eric Tony's bet is that he can annoy the donors in the Republican Party. 
he can annoy the grassroots base in the Republican Party and kind of get away with it because maybe the attorney general is such a low profile race, especially when you've got the U.S. Senate and the governor's races on the ballot, who maybe no one's going to really pay attention to the attorney general race. If Eric Tony said he was going to vote for President Trump in 2024... It wouldn't even be on the, you, the the AP would not have called you for comment. It would not be newsworthy. No. It wouldn't get in the news. No. So good job, by Eric Tony. We're talking about an attorney general's race on a Friday on Lacrosse Talk PM. Uh, but but what I said to the Associated Press is that this is a really small number of Republican nominees who are willing to go there when it comes to being non-committal about voting for Donald Trump in 2024. It could reduce the enthusiasm that. There are activists in the Republican Party have, but they'll vote for him anyway. Uh, Maybe I guess maybe the only thing is, oh, I'm you know what? I'm not even going to vote in that race or I'm not going to go. That's the risk, right? Like, I'm not going to volunteer for him. I'm not going to donate to him. That's the risk he's running. But if no one really pays attention to the attorney general race, then he'll be fine. He should have just some, said something more outlandish. Like, I think I might run in 2024. <laughs> then you really would have. Tregoski, how's that going to play out? Yeah. All right. Uh, Joe's calling in. Joe, hey, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, I think what a lot of people miss, uh, speaking nationally, about the enthusiasm for Donald Trump, he was the first one to point out that, you know, both sides in Congress are working globally against the United States. They've got deals made. Globally, which a lot of people that uh, pay taxes here in the United States don't agree with. Aren't they just lying in their pockets? I think he was the first one to point that out to us, that these people have been in power too long. That's what he called swamp. They're making all kinds of deals with Putin and G from China, stuff we don't agree with on trying to control Europe through energy. And it's just not what the American people are here to pay for. I realize this plan was all put into place when Hillary was supposed to win and she didn't. But... We're not for it. We're never going to be for it. You're never going to get the people who believe in Trump to vote for global policies. We're always going to stand for America. That's what you guys don't get. No, I totally get it, Joe. I mean, the America first approach of Donald Trump was a major element of his appeal because a lot of folks felt like, you know, they were being left behind in a changing world that the demographics of this country, the culture of this country were changing. Globalization was having a major disruptive force on the economy and on society. And many people responded to those grievances and frustrations by voting for Donald Trump. And he really connected with those people in a way that very few politicians have been able to connect with them. So, I mean, I think Joe makes I mean, I don't know about the specifics of what Joe is saying, but big picture. I mean, I agree with Joe that that was a major part of Donald Trump's appeal. So he, he mentioned Donald Trump and the the drain. The, that's why he wanted. He came in. Yeah. and He said he wanted to drain but the frustration swamp. Frustration with both parties. I but mean, here here's yeah. Donald Trump on draining the swamp after after the fact. The after swamp. look at that sign, drain the swamp in Washington D.C. Look at that. You know, I said to somebody the other day, and even today, drain the swamp. We put it in about two days ago. I said, drain the swamp. I didn't like it. I didn't like the expression, drain the swamp in Washington. So I said it three days ago. The place went crazy. I said, you know what? I'm starting to like that expression. And now it's a hot, it's like trending all over the world. Drain the swamp in Washington. So we like, we like that expression. 
<laughs> Rick, one of the things that Trump is the only politician around today to do is he bases his slogans, he bases his lines and speeches off of the reaction that he gets in rallies. Because normally you have very focused groups and polls and highly paid consultants to tell you exactly what to say. Trump would just say things and see what the audience react see how the audience reacted i mean he said it right there you didn't even like drain the swamp uh locker up the hillary locker up i think that's another one and then you know uh he he might even pick his lawyers based on how well they do on tv yes all right we're gonna take a break just wondering any bells yet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a terrible friday song that was his kid Got into an Crash Test Dummies. This is the this is the song I thought of. Not a Friday song. This is a song that was not on the radio either. I don't even know how I thought of it. I always liked this song when I was in high school or whatever, because I kinda had a deeper voice and this is this is kind of a weird This guy's got a kind of an interesting voice. I don't think they do the Yeah, right here. This is the song. This is the roof. Oh, yeah. Bringing it back to memories here on Friday at the Crosstalk PM. All right. We haven't really even done the big major news dump story of the day. Um, earlier this week, uh, uh, and I'll just I'll lead into this. Mandela Barnes, uh, there was a story. Mandela Barnes has is, is got a huge security team. It, ma- it made me think of that because Evers was in town, and he had a couple of state patrol members. And then two guys who looked like badasses. They're just like, you know, they got suits and glasses on and they just kind of stand there and they're not affected by anything that's going on, even though kids are running around crazy. Um, And I was like, oh, yeah, those are those are the security, you know, like whatever the Secret Service version of the governor's uh, security team. And it just and then a Mandela Barnes story came out just right around that same time that he has all this security and he's and it's costing state money because he's the lieutenant governor. And I think the Milwaukee Journal broke that story first. And now. The Milwaukee Journal breaks another story. Yep. So, and then Ron Johnson jumps on that, right? Ron Johnson's running against Mandela Barnes. So Ron Johnson jumps on that story. But now there's another story. Tim Michaels uh, is contributing. His foundation contributes to anti-LGBTQ groups, whether it's churches or or other groups like that. And uh, now, now when it's, you know, now Tim Michaels, and it's two different races, but now we can't trust the media but a couple of days ago, they were fine when it was, a you know, versus Mandela Bar. Yeah, the media is great when they are reporting things that are helpful for our side. They're terrible when they're reporting things that are not helpful for our side. No, you're, you're exactly right, Rick. So the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel broke a story that Mandela Barnes, lieutenant governor, now Democratic candidate for U.S. Senate against Ron Johnson. He averaged more than 13 and a half hours of security protection a day, including weekdays, weekends and holidays. The daily cost ran about $660 for patrol officers' wages. He's, uh, given, he's given jobs. Yeah, creating jobs. Creating That's jobs. right. Now, now, the reason that this is interesting is because it is far more than the security for Rebecca Clayfish, who was the lieutenant governor prior to Barnes. Different times, different person, I would say. And he's running a different – Clayfish wasn't running for Senate, right? So there's a little bit of difference there. Um, but Tim Michaels now is in the news today, a story about his campaign donations. No, no, not his. His donating 
his foundation donation. Right, right. Tim Michaels, uh, Republican candidate for governor, has a foundation. And in 2020, based on just a routine public records request that the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel did, they found that about 15% of his total donations in 2020 went to anti-LGBTQ and anti-abortion groups. But his 250,000. His reaction to that is the best, right? Because it's bring out the f- pitchforks and the tiki torches. No, not... Regular torches. Yeah, yeah, Rick. You know, he was on a conservative talk radio show, and he said that people should take up pitchforks and torches in reaction to the story about his foundation's giving, which is a little surprising because if you're running for governor and you have a foundation and people can easily access information about your foundation's giving through public records requests, which you do all the time and all news organizations do all the time. Well, that's going to come out. That's part of the deal of running for governor, that your finances are going to be fair game. Your foundation is going to be fair game for news stories. And so Michael says that we should take to the streets and with our pitchforks and torches because of how low the liberal media has become. And again, I'm just wondering if this is sort of him trying to rile up his base, him trying to generate enthusiasm. Rick, you pointed out that he sent out a fundraising email based on this. Yep. He's trying to raise money off of this. If he's like genuinely offended or genuinely surprised, uh, because if he is genuinely offended and genuinely surprised, and I would suggest that, This is a normal thing that happens when you run for governor. This type of thing comes under scrutiny. And his defense is he's giving to the church. Yeah. Which is, but eh, what's that church stand for? What's the person that runs that church actually standing for? We got Tregoski, that's it. We Friday news. We're done. We're done. If anyone wants to check out that story, they'll have to they'll they'll have to do that. Maybe we'll talk about it on Tuesday, but we'll all forget it by then. Friday news. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody.